So the um, <laughs> I can't start out like that. <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, hey, Andy. What's up? The purpose of the Design Much podcast, the reason why we're starting it, right, is so that we can have a design podcast where people can listen and they can level up their design game kind of more bite size at a time. We want to create a podcast where we can have people on here talking about stuff that they do, ask them real practical questions. Um, we also want to learn from real practicing designers, you know, not people who are touring the world talking about design on a high level, but people that are actually doing it. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is we want to try to be entertaining and have a little bit of fun more here. Beautiful. I think that was so good. I don't even need to do it. Dude, no. Should we just should we just stick with that one? I think you should do it just right. as a requirement. All right, I'll do it. So, so Patrick, hey Patrick, hey Andy, welcome. We're, this is Design Much podcast. We're, we're just here because we want to help you level up your design game one by size scale at a time. We just want to learn from real practicing designers. So that's why we're here. We're just here to have a good time to do it. Dude, that's beautiful. I think it's time to play. Would you rather? Mm. To get to know us, okay, as your as your beautiful hosts. All right, I got this one. This one's gonna be deep. Oh, this is gonna be. I'm not ready for this. This is gonna be deep. Okay, would you rather be in a room with 50 bees for five minutes, or be in a room with 50 spiders for five minutes? Oh man, this one's tough. This is really tough. I would definitely rather be with bees. You'd rather be with bees? Totally. Are you, you're, so you're not allergic to bees, obviously. No, I'm not. You'd rather be with bees? Yeah. Why would you rather be with bees than spiders? Spiders, they're just going to like crawl every which way. You don't. <laughs> you can't watch all those spiders, man. Those things are freaky, right? Yeah. Bees, you can like hang out with bees as long as you're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> it's gonna. They're, they're going to like buzz by your ear and. Then, Wait, you can hang out with bees as long as you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, as long as you're, as long as you're not like uh, making them angry, you can hang out with bees. Yeah, I guess it depends on what kind of bee. And it depends if it's on like, like a hornet. Yeah. Or if it's like a because if it's like a if it's like a honeybee. Yeah. That's pretty chill, right? Because you as long as you don't make them angry, but hornets are always angry, so so you'd rather be with bees. And there's also the question like, is the the queen bee in the room as well? Because if she's in the room, I'm probably dead, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna yeah, if the queen bee. If the queen bee's in the room. You're you're. Host. I'm I'm gonna be Macaulay Culkin at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna be done. <laughs> They're going to drag your uh, bloated body out of that room. Yep. After the end of five minutes. Yep. I don't know. I was I was leaning more towards spiders because spiders don't generally bite. Like they don't they don't really come after you. They kind of stay on the wall. You know. That's true. Whereas bees, they they would kind of run away from you, right? Unless it was like all crazy black widow spiders. But we don't have that definition. So, but consider this, right? Like we actually haven't, like, have you seen a lot of spiders all together at once? Spiders are typically all by themselves. They're, they're loners. I haven't. I haven't bees, seen a group of spiders Bees are before. always together. We know what that's like. But spiders, they usually, they don't come after you. But <laughs> when they realize, hey, there's a bunch of other guys like me around here, <laughs> let's take this guy out. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen hundreds of spiders in one room together. That would freak me out, man. I think you're right. I think I think I'm leaning. I think I'm leaning toward bees. Although I hate things that fly in the air. So for me, if I was in a room with bees for five minutes, it'd be straight up panic mode. For it'd be a, it'd be five minutes of pure panic because I don't like things flying past me. Okay. Like birds, like parakeets. I hate parakeets because you let them out of the cage and they like try to fly around you and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and you can't <laughs> you can't do anything about it. Like you run, they just keep flying around you. All you can do is open a window. Yeah, but I think the spiders. I'm I may. You never know. I'd go. I'd go bees. Should we see what? Should we say? I think we're going both going bees. Yeah. Okay, let's go bees. Oh, that's 50-50. 50% bees, 50% spiders. All right. While we're talking about spiders and dark caves and, and dark things and spiders being in dark caves. <laughs> this is a great transition, right? Yeah. This is a great transition. Uh, Envision Studio. We were talking about this the other day, um, whether or not we think it's going to be good or not, or if it's going to be like like super MVP, like there's not going to be anything in it, the pen tool's going to stink, all that stuff. Yeah. But we, we hit on a good topic, which was dark themes. What What's your feeling on dark themes? Because in Vision Studio, when it came out, when they released the little video and everybody got all geeked out about the video, the, the thing that everybody was really excited about was the dark theme. Dark theme. They went, all those videos that you watched are people analyzing the video, which I always think is kind of weird. <laughs> they're like all geeked out about the about the dark theme. Like they're going crazy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the dark theme, Andy? I love dark themes. You love dark themes? I'm a designer. I was born to love dark <laughs> themes. When when Adobe finally switched, you know, from, I think it was CS5, they went dark theme, right? Yeah. That felt great. It felt wonderful. It felt like, it felt like you, have, you have arrived as a designer. Yes. I feel like I'm getting work done. Like when I'm looking at my dark theme, like I'm say I'm hanging out in Illustrator, right? Designing something cool there. Just everything else is dark except for my super sexy, colorful logo. Yeah. Love it. Get that super high contrast. Yeah. I've been, I've, ever since we had that conversation, I've been thinking about it because I like dark themes too. But I wonder if there's any, if there's any like real, like, optical science around a dark theme. Everybody likes their dark themes. Developers love their dark themes. Mm-hmm. To the point where they'll create dark themes for websites and turn them on <laughs> so that if it's a light, if the website is produced light, they have like a dark theme that they've created for that website, yeah. which I think is a little bit much, but sure, why not? And I thought developers like to work in caves too, right? I think designers do too. Do you think designers do? I don't. I like to work, I like to work in the sun. I like, I like a window next to me. No, I don't I, like being, I don't like being in the dark. I fall asleep. Okay. I, I kind of like both aspects. I like the sun. I like having my little plant next to me at work, you know, my little cute plant or whatever. I like that. But at the same time, I also like working late at night, just like in the dark. When I do that, I don't have any lights on. I just have the lovely light from the screen just emanating on me. That that just feels great. Do you think it has, do you think it affects your focus? Like, f- do you think you focus better? I feel like it does. I like just focusing on the content that, you know, the majority of the time has color um, and the dark thing, dark thing items are just like, you know, this dark themes. And then you have like, you know, the, the inputs, which are, you know, sometimes white. Right. Yeah. So I, I, th- I feel like it does allow you to hone in on stuff a little bit better. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I get, I get the feeling too. Like, uh, when I, cause I, I like sit next to the window, but I get distracted like a car will drive past and I'll just, you know, I won't even like pay attention, but I'll just kind of look away and look at the car. Mm-hmm. So I get kind of distracted. I think, I think. Like in your area here at Canopy, in your area, you guys turn all the lights out. Yeah. Um, but you hung up Christmas lights. They're not Christmas lights. No, they're Christmas. Well, they're, they're not. They're like, they're, are they holiday lights? What are we? No, we they're like them? year-round lights. They'll let you put in your backyard <laughs> when you're having <laughs> a wedding or something. He's lying. They're Christmas lights. They're not Christmas lights. Come on. But they're like yeah, but they're like the more ambient. They're the, lights. they're warm lights. Warm lights, not, not the fluorescent lights. Exactly. Yeah. Because fluorescent lights are pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. I found I found this article, and I don't know. There's no. I, I don't know if I believe anything on the internet anymore. Right. 
uh, or if I believe everything on the internet, I don't know. But I found a couple of articles. This one, this one does a really good job of 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 kind of illustrating like the point and some some studies that they found. But there's one on this uh, UX uh, UXdesign.cc. They've got uh, a couple things in here. Studies have shown that dark characters on light backgrounds are far superior to read uh, to light characters on dark backgrounds and. Okay. To your eyes, it's a lot less straining for your eye to read on a light with a light background. Okay. So now, is this reading like long form? Yes. This is so. This is like long form reading. Like you right. read a book, or you'd read like an article or something like that. Uh, but they also they also bring up like everybody has their dark themes. Like all the developers have their dark themes, and we have dark themes. You know, we we like dark themes. Like looking at it, one point that they make is contra- from a contrast standpoint. Uh, they say it can be it can be uh, a dark theme can be used to simplify complex interfaces because it focuses your attention on the main mm-hmm. content areas. Okay. The icons are more subtle in the background on a dark theme than they are on a, on a bright theme. Yeah, I can see that. So I like that. Uh, the other thing too is they say dark themes when you're in a dark room are actually better for the stress on your eyes. So if, if it's a light room and you're staring at a dark theme, it's your eyes have to kind of they have to work a little harder to get that. Mm-hmm. If it's a dark room and you have a light theme, then your eyes are really stressed. So that if you're working sense. in the dark, you should probably have a dark theme so that your eyes don't your eyes don't stress out and fall out of your face. So that's why the devs are always working in the dark. That's why they have their dark themes because they're working in the dark, right? Yeah. But I was thinking about this a little bit too. Like um, when we were talking about this earlier, I was like, why why don't we have like other things that are like dark? Like everything on the web is light theme. There's very few like apps, websites um, for long form reading for just like, you know, small reading. It's like, it's all white, right? There are some, if you go to like the Amazon Kindle book, like app, right? Where you're mm-hmm. reading a book. They have like by default, it's white, white background with black text, right? But they also give you the option to make it like dark theme. Yeah. Which I mean, I, th- I think before I was thinking like, well, that's just because it, it should be fine. Maybe more users wanted that. But I think it's mainly because maybe they're reading at nighttime, reading in their bed, and they just want to have it a little bit darker because it's easier on their eyes, right? Yeah. So that makes sense to what yeah. they were talking about. Yes, it does. There's also night mode, right? Which you can flip it into night mode, mm-hmm. which tries to remove the blue light. Yes. To help you sleep, which I don't, I, I don't know if there's any studies that really say that's true yeah. that I could really find. But um, it does make sense. I, I don't do you do you read or do work like right before you go to bed yeah like on a screen mm-hmm. so when I'm when I'm working like if I work and and then I immediately go to bed like I can fall asleep pretty much anywhere but I notice a difference if I was working and I'm looking at a screen and then I just turn the screen off and I go and lay down in bed and go to sleep I notice it does take me a little bit longer to sort of like uh, go to sleep do you ever have that I I don't I'm not sure about that because Basically, my entire life has been watching something before I go to bed on a blue screen. On something? <laughs> I mean, you got to get that Seinfeld in before you go to bed. You can't have sweet dreams without Seinfeld yeah. before bed, right? No, no. So, Seinfeld's, Seinfeld's fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I've been doing since, like, middle school. <laughs> so, I have no watching idea. Watching Seinfeld right before bed. <laughs> Basically. Um. When we speak of dark themes, like from a visual design standpoint, is there any like real benefit to a dark theme in visual design then? I mean, I know it, it, it kind of pushes, gives you more of the invisible user interface mm-hmm. uh, for your design tool. So that probably allows you to focus on the design 
like the visual design elements, but is there any other benefit to it? To that? I have no idea if there's a benefit for visual design based on or just for another type of design, right? Versus another type of design. I have no idea if there's a, a real difference for that. I feel like anything you're doing in these interfaces, if it's visual design, if it's just strictly product, um, you know, UX sort of design, then maybe it's the same sort of thing. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe visual design is a little bit more colorful by, you know, normally. So maybe that could attribute more to it, it is actually better for visual design but maybe you get more of a sense of it's kind of on a darker background like colors standing out yeah i wish you were wearing your front shirt again so we can have that do you want me to go get it really quick no you don't need to you don't need okay. to get it real quick i can i can picture it in my head okay let's you can talk but, about it um yeah the the black front shirt that you were wearing with all the purple the pinks and purples yeah um like that like visually that's really appealing so if you're working mm-hmm. on if you're in a if you're in a UI, a dark UI, and you're designing, of like you're, you're more focused on visual design, probably allows your visual design to really focus, like yeah. pop out of the screen, yeah. So you can take the time. We we uh, we talked to Nick Bluth the other day, right, Andy? We did. It was great. Uh, we so we interviewed Nick Bluth. He he works here with us at Canopy, mm-hmm. um, but he's he's a fantastic visual designer. And one thing that he really talked about in the interview was taking was spending a lot of time. And if uh, dark theme is sort of better on your eyes and visual design takes time, like you got to move things around and go, I don't like it there. I like it here. You're moving things around all the time. It's probably way less eye strain for you to do visual design on a dark theme then. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so last question. Last question for you, Andy, that I have for you is uh, sketch. Do we need a dark theme in sketch? We need a dark theme in sketch. Remember when you said Clark from Envision is everywhere? He's yes. omnipotent? Yes. <laughs> He's with us right now. He's in everything. I don't know if the guy, I don't even know if there's a guy that makes sketch. I assume. I assume there's probably a couple people that make sketch. Yeah, there might be more than just a couple, but. There could be hundreds. Yeah. But uh, one of them, one of the hundreds of sketch people need to make a dark theme. Yeah. Or a plug-in or some kind of It's thing. really easy. Super easy. Just flip a switch. We're tired of it, guys. But yeah, we, like we talked about earlier, we did interview Nick Bluth. So uh, should we should we go ahead and play that interview now, Andy? Yeah, I'm pulling it up in the tape right now, putting it in the machine. Okay, put that cassette. Yeah. Put that mixtape we, we in run there. On, we run on cassettes over here. Put the needle down on that cassette. Oh, yes. <laughs> So, so Nick, you're a pretty good visual designer. We, we want to know a little bit more about like your visual design and how you enhance like your skills in visual design. Um, so why are you a good visual designer? Why do you think you're a good visual designer? So it's a good question. So I think uh, if, if I were to claim myself a good vis- visual designer, the reason would be primarily because of the time that I've put into designing. I, I, I got a degree in, in graphic design and I as part of that got spent a lot of time just designing different things and, and had experience and actual uh, time on computer building things. I guess that one of the biggest things to contribute to design skill. So you spent a lot of time just like just actually doing that practice of design. Yeah. So there's a lot of aspect of like, um, you know, practicing. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's just a matter of, of getting, Getting your projects in, building things, uh, giving yourself restraints or constraints rather, 
and uh, and really, it's about time. I, I mean, a lot of it is you start to recognize after doing it for a while what good design is, what bad design is, and what constitutes uh, what makes the difference between the two. But I really think that uh, the main thing is time spent designing will directly reflect on on your skill. Now, there's there's other things that are involved in that. Some people just naturally have a little bit more skill than others, but I would say that the people that work hardest have the bigger advantage than people that maybe have natural born skill. Yeah, I've always wondered about this because I think I'm not, I was not born with a natural born skill for visual design. <laughs> uh, I think I've had to work really hard mm-hmm. to, to like even do any visual design. What makes somebody have a natural ability for visual design? Like, is there, can they just see it better? Like, what is it? What is it about somebody having that ability? I think a lot of it is just seeing it, like being able to recognize good design, I think is a big part of it. Um, Some of it might be your process and what you do to get to that design. But uh, a lot of it, I don't know, some people just, like I've seen people that can just pick up a, a pen and paper or a, a mouse and just make something beautiful just out of their head without what seem, it doesn't seem like much effort on their part. And then other people uh, will work hard at something, spend hours on something and make something that's mediocre. And they may be just both starting out and the same level, but it's uh, some people just naturally seem to have something a little bit more. But that, that being said, I don't think that, your natural born abilities should limit you in any way. I, they might limit you at first, but if you're willing to work hard and, and put in the effort, I think long term, if anything, you'll have a, a greater advantage because you've learned how to work hard and, and achieve that skill level rather than having it handed to you. Rather than just having it. So you said something interesting. You said it's important to be able to recognize what is good design versus bad design. Mm-hmm. So how do you get to that level? Like... I mean, you might have your own taste, right? Everyone has their own their own ideas of what is good or bad. But like, how do you get to the level of like, this is a good thing. This is a good thing that is, this is good design, right? Yeah. Like, how do you get there? How do you recognize that? Uh, I think a lot of that comes with, uh, with exposure. Like if you're exposed to good design and, and also good design is very subjective. It changes uh, and it's depending on trends. But if you are exposed to those trends and whatever's good design at the time, uh, and and looking at that and uh, just getting that exposure on a regular basis, I think that helps you to recognize and know what good design is. And uh, if you can recognize it, uh, there's a, a quote by Ira Glass where um, Ira talks about uh, how there's a gap when you first start to be able to recognize design, but you can't cre- quite create that design. And so... Uh, there's a there's a gap where you can you realize that your design isn't good. You're creating it. You know what good design looks like, but it's not. You know it's not good design, and it gets it's really frustrating. But then you get to the point after practice and working through that uh, that struggle where you realize that your de- your design finally catches up with what you know good design to be, and they kind of come into alignment, and you're actually producing good design work. I'm still. I'm still in that gap. You're still in the, <laughs> the gap of not being able to produce the, the good things you see. Yeah. 
I think I've learned how to see what's good design. Okay. <laughs> and now I'm learning how to produce good design. Yeah. I think we're all there in, in some some way or another. Yeah, I don't way. think you ever can just arrive and say, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm an amazing designer. I can quit trying now. Just happens. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of different aspects of design that like you can improve on, right? It's not just like one thing, like you said, like you just you know take that step and you're good. It's like you have to learn how to do like this type of design or this type of design. You could recognize what's good and what's not, and you can like kind of, I guess, um, get that skill as you practice both of those different things, right? All those Agreed. things. Yeah. How, how much of learning how to reproduce the design is learning a tool to do that? Uh, I think it's a it's a big part of it. You need to know uh, how to use your tools. But I think if you're a, a good designer, I don't think design really has anything to do with which tool you're using. Um, now, it, that might have something to do with how long it takes you to design it. But if you are a good designer, you can design in in anything, whether it's Photoshop, Sketch, Illustrator. Paint. Paint. Um, we were look, I was looking at something the other day that uh, someone posted where somebody had designed. Uh, they were painting in Excel and they had a whole spreadsheet that they had used and they created all their design in Excel and they had these huge paintings that hang up on the wall and that would be ridiculous and take a ton of time but you could still do it and you could still create good design even if you're using mediocre tools that's true but yeah I think that's great like you mentioned a lot about practicing um, so what sort of what do you do to practice design so one of the things that um, that I always recommend and that I, I do not, honestly not as much as I should because I need to practice more. It's a little bit tricky finding the time sometimes. But uh, when I do practice, uh, it comes back because uh, I, I when I was a kid, I wanted to be a fine artist, wanted to be a, a painter. And uh, my art teachers would always have me copy the work of the masters. So I'd go find a, a Michelangelo painting and then draw it out and copy what they did. I think the same holds true for visual design on computers. Find an amazing piece of, uh, of work, uh, go on Dribble, find something that you really like, something that you know, I mean, because you've got design taste, you realize what looks good. Find something that looks really good and then just copy it. Like straight up, pixel for pixel, uh, duplicate it. Now don't try and claim that as your own work, of course, but just the, uh, the the act of duplicating it, you can see all the little nuanced details and the things that made that a good piece of work. And and that in itself, I think, will help you do better, just that imitation over time. And then beyond that, um, you can start expanding and creating your own uh, variations and, and start creating your own thing once you've kind of figured out how they're creating solid design work. Nice. Well, yeah, because once you're once you're replicating the work, right? You're 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 using the tool, so you're you're kind of getting both worlds, right? You're learning uh -huh. how they actually did something, plus you're learning the tool that you're using, whatever it could be to like select the color, or match the color, or draw a box, whatever it is, right? So you're learning how to do that. Um, it, when when you're doing something like that, like if you're practicing in that, like how do you set that up? Do you do you just have like it, like you have dribble up in the browser and you're just trying to copy it? Like you have two separate windows, right? And you're just trying to copy it? Or do you like uh, copy and paste the dribble shot in Sketch and then like try to color, like draw over the top of it? Or uh, what's the actual like function of doing that? Yeah, so I'll usually do the, the copy and paste method. So I'll actually copy the image, bring it into 
uh, if I'm working in Sketch into my Sketch file. And then uh, I can either have it side by side and compare them. Uh, I've also built over the top. So some elements, you can just build over the top of them to make sure they fit up the same size. Uh, or you could also do a make it a transparency and, and put it over the top of your design, make sure everything lines up. Make sure it's all accurate in the layout. Because yep. that's one thing I think is really important about visual design that I've often struggled with is layout mm -hmm. and, and figuring out how to lay things out correctly so they're in the right space and the right time uh, inside the image. So um, how, how often do you do, how often do you personally, do you, do you still continue to do this practice or, or how often do you do it now? Um, I, it's been a while, honestly, since I've done it. Uh, I need to do it more often because anytime I, I do this, it it's beneficial and it, I feel like it improves my design and I create something that's cool. Um, it's probably been a couple months since I've done it. Um, and sometimes I won't do it with a whole design. Sometimes I'll find something cool and say, oh, that I really like that button style. I want to figure out how to do that myself. So I'll just pull it over and try to recreate it so I know how to... If I want to use that button style in the future, I know how to do it myself. Yeah, got it. So it's, it's more, for me at this point, individual elements that I'm pulling out rather than recreating a whole design. Like a whole, like a whole website or a whole UI. Exactly. Hmm. Awesome. So you said you, know, you actually went to school for graphic design, right? That's right. So my question to you is, like, how, how do you learn that at school? Like, how do you learn visual design? Or in other words, like, how do you teach visual design? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because there's a, a lot of things and it's not something you can say, okay, here's, here's how you do good design, go do it. It's uh, a lot of it comes, like we talked about earlier with practice, uh, but there are, you've got the gestalt principles that you can teach. There's certain principles that uh, hold true in any good design, regardless of what's trending at the moment. And uh, so I think if you, if you go through those and, and you should always be familiar with uh, with the Gestalt principles. Uh, if so, if you're starting from scratch and, and aren't familiar with those, I would I would suggest starting by learning those and then build off of those uh, and go from there. Are there any key? Because uh, there's a lot of you know Gestalt uh, principles for, for for specifically product design. What we do, right? Mm -hmm. Like what what principles are maybe the like something like if you were to teach a junior designer and you're to say like focus on this one or two things for now like what would those be so i think one of the big ones especially in uh in web design is hierarchy you've got to have hierarchy to what you want your users to look at what you want them to interact with first and um so make sure you're solid on that and you know how to how to give priority to certain elements and then kind of move other elements into the background. Uh, so I think that one's important. Um, proximity is another good thing. You have groupings of elements, uh, and you need to know how to do that well. Um, so I think those are the probably the two that I would recommend focusing on. But uh, like I said, all, all of them are important and play a role in any good design. When, when you teach something like proximity, or visual hierarchy because you, you teach at Dev Mountain That's or right. you you did or <laughs> still do I don't know. No, um, I, I but when you taught at Dev Mountain, what um, when you teach something like that, do you teach like you teach the principle, but do you teach do you, do you deconstruct any 
examples or anything like that? Yeah, that's uh, so usually it's it's hard because at Dev Mountain we've there's so much stuff to cover because we're teaching the the whole UX process, but uh, usually we we spend a day and go over Gestalt principles and. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll we'll go over a principle, why that principle is important, and then uh, show some examples uh, so they can kind of understand more or less what we're talking about. And then uh, we always try and be more hands-on with them so they're actually doing stuff themselves. So we'll have them go out and find examples of each of the principles mm -hmm. in web design. Uh, and that's a, a good exercise as well because then you can find and see how other people are. Well, and then for people like me, who don't understand why something looks good, <laughs> I can start to learn why something looks good. <laughs> exactly. Put two and two together. Yeah. So are there any like websites, any books or articles that you like to frequent um, to be able to up your design skills? Uh, yeah, so I'll use, uh, I use Dribble a lot. It, it doesn't, you don't get the whole UX process. It's not very good for UX, but for visual design, uh, I think it's a, a great tool, and you can find some really cool stuff. There's there's always good designs in there, um, so I'll use that. Um, the uh, the one that I've uh, I've tried out a little bit and dabbled with is uh, dailyui.co, I believe, and uh, they'll send you a, a challenge every day that uh, that you can design, and so it kind of pushes you. Uh, for me, I find that's it's a little bit much, so I'll just I got the get all the emails and then I'll just go pick one kind of at random to work on, uh, and and those are useful if you want to improve uh, improve your visual design skills. Awesome. So we have we have um, we have a couple of junior designers that work here, but when when you're mentoring a junior designer, um, how frequently or how often do you would you recommend somebody who's starting out um, practice? Like, is it yeah, how often, what's, what's the frequency you would recommend for somebody that's doing this? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Honestly, if you're starting out, you have no design background, I would do it as much as you can. I mean, you're only going to get limited ex exposure at work uh, doing what you're doing. So anytime you've got outside of work, uh, pick up something. I uh, One of my things that I like to do is uh, just while I'm watching TV or something, just I, I design icons on the side, so I'll just be designing something little, and uh, it doesn't take a ton of intent, attention or thought, so I can still watch my show, and uh, just kind of piddle with it, keep keep working as I uh, as I go. But yeah, so I would I would recommend just as much as you can. The more you design, I mean, there's the um, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell talks about ten thousand hours. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't think that's hard and fast rule. I think. It's just the more that you design, the more time you can get in, the better you're going to be. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like with anything, right? Like uh, like with music or learning a musical instrument. Um, I feel like sometimes we get to a point where, like, well, those icons that you that you're working on, like you're sitting on your couch, you're working on some icons while you're watching TV. Like, are those icons going to anything? Like, are you making those for like a, a client or? work or is that you're just making them so i'm i'm just making them because i want to make them i turn around i upload them onto the noun project and i uh, sell them on there and it's uh so it makes me a little bit of money on the side but i get to pick what i want to design and mm -hmm. uh so i'm just just essentially making them to make them 
and then I end up repurposing them so they can make me a little extra money on the side. And so how do you pick what you want to design? What, what makes you decide, I want to design this icon today? So what I'll do is I'll get, uh, I've got a um, just a, a list in Evernote of whenever I see something, I'm like, oh, that would make a really cool icon, or that's something that I think people might want to use. Then uh, I'll, I'll add it to my list. And I've actually got a pretty big list of icons that I want to design because I can come up with things faster than I can design them. But then uh, I'll just go onto that list, find something I'm in the mood to design, say, oh, I want to, I want to design a T-Rex icon, and I'll go to town and start start designing it. Nice. So, do you think um, that designers can like learn from other aspects of design? Like, for example, if there's a UX designer, they're probably not going to be doing a lot of like branding or lettering. But do you think it's important for them to learn that stuff? Um, I think it, it could be. Uh, it, because all, all design kind of, it's kind of a blurry area. Anything I, I learn in branding design could be, uh, could be applied to icon design and possibly maybe a little bit less so to interaction design. Mm -hmm. But I would, uh, so what I would recommend if I was talking to a, a new designer and they're wanting to focus on, I would focus on designing what you're going to be building most of the time. Uh, but if you have a, an interest in designing icons, because that's what you enjoy doing, or you, you want to do branding design, then do that. Even if that's not what you're doing for work. But what, whatever you end up designing is what you're going to end up getting better at. Awesome. That makes sense. Very cool. Um, there's a there's a uh, heuristic so the Jacob Nielsen heuristics right the ten the ten that we live by that we live and die by he's got one in there minimalism minimalist design I just want to know from a visual design standpoint like what does minimal design mean uh, for you like as a product designer yeah so um, now I don't remember who said this quote but there's a, a quote that talks about something is is perfect not when you've added everything that could possibly be added but when there's nothing else left that you can take away and still have the, the functionality. And I completely butchered that quote, so. Um, but you uh, really minimal design is about just limiting the amount of elements on the page. Uh, and one thing that I, I see a lot with, uh, with junior designers is they want to make things too big and not have enough white space. So the, the typography, they'll all start out with really big typography, uh, and they won't give enough room around the edges. So I, I think anything you can do to help, uh, they, they talk about cognitive load on, uh, on a design. Anything you can do to minimize the amount of cognitive load, the number of visual elements that you've got to take in on a page, uh, by reducing that, it'll help increase the amount of... Uh, of, of readability and that's the burden on the on the user exactly to understand things what um so then we, we always hear this term this is one that i'm always puzzled by but we always hear this term clean like that's a clean design what in your in your mind like what does clean mean when you say that's a clean design so i i think with with design one of the things that's uh, that's very important and uh, you can kind of tell a junior designer versus a senior designer based on this is the attention to detail. So if, uh, if you look at something and, and there's some elements on the page that don't line up, maybe they're just a pixel or two off, you might not 
consciously realize it, but subconsciously you realize that something is feels a little bit off. Uh, I think that is what what differentiates clean design from not clean design is that attention to making sure that everything lines up, making sure that, uh, that you've got a pixel perfect design and everything's exactly where it needs to be and where you intended it to be, not just eyeballing it and putting things close to where they need to be. Things are randomly, randomly put in places like, <laughs> like my designs. Yeah. Kind of like mine. Famously. <laughs> um, do you, do you have any other questions, Andy? I think I'm good. Okay. I think, I think I've, I can't think of anything else. I think we learned everything we need to know about. We, we learned everything. Today. I think we learned everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been, this has been really helpful. So thank you, Nick, for, for answering our questions and, um, let us bug you about this stuff. Yeah. Glad, glad to be here. That was a good interview. That was a good, that was a good interview. Yeah. Nick's pretty good. Yeah. He's an okay guy. I think so. Definitely okay. Yeah. Pretty decent fellow. I agree. I didn't know I didn't know he was like a fine art type of person. Yeah. I I had no idea he had he said he kinda of studied that a little bit in college as well, right? Mm-hmm. No idea. Yeah, no clue. So the whole point of this, right? The whole point of design much, like Andy said in the beginning, was uh, <laughs> to learn a skill. To learn a skill that you could, you know, you could apply right now, like, or, or the next day or two, right? Something, yeah. something small, something a little bit more bite-sized, something practical, right? So, um, as we review, as, as we review the episode, let's talk about what we learned. What else did you learn, Andy, in today's episode? Well, um, I think one, one key takeaway, one key takeaway, um, that I really liked, um, is how Nick mentioned it's really important to know like to recognize what is good design and what is bad design. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like a, a key um, skill that you need to be a good designer. Um, it's something that's difficult to develop that taste for good design. Um, but I think that's something that you need to develop and continue to develop because um, design changes. It's like a fashion, right? It's always changing, um, figuring out like, and, and always, I guess, staying, staying in the community and understanding what, what is good versus bad design is very important. Um, I really liked that. And something else I learned as well is like the need to practice, um, to take that, you know, once you have gotten there, you realize this thing is, this thing is good design. Um, I'm going to take it. I really liked how he said, you take this thing, it's good design and just try to recreate it, just practice it and just do that as often as you can. And that's going to really allow you to be able to um, better your skills. Yeah, I concur. I think the things I learned too, what you were saying about the the practice, the the one thing I learned that I could take away right now is um, you don't have to practice on a project that you're working on. Yeah. Like, and, and that's kind of one thing. It's like, duh, right? Like, I know, like, we know this. Like, if you ever played a musical instrument, like, you have scales that you practice. Mm-hmm. You have things like that that you practice just so your your fingers can get practice moving like on a fretboard of a guitar, right? Right. And you don't have to like just practice, you know, your Guns and Roses. You can practice like scales or anything like that. Um, just just so you can build up those those smaller skills, right? The movement stuff. And that's one thing he kind of brought up with like the icon thing is like if you're sitting there watching TV at night, you're sitting there watching Game of Thrones. Seinfeld. Um, 
You can just design icons because you're you're practicing. You know, you're practicing your skills. You're honing those skills. And if if visual design is mostly about time and mostly about practice and and developing the understanding and getting exposed to that over you know a longer period of time, like that kind of stuff always always helps, yeah. right? Um, it's not like you have to just worry about what you do at work um, and work on projects that have an end. Like you can work on a project that doesn't have an end, mm-hmm. like just an ongoing thing, or you're not going to sell it, right? Yeah, it's just, just a, a piece, thing. right? Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other thing I think I picked up was. He talked about uh, when you're when you're starting out, really trying to understand the Gestalt principles, and uh, that's one thing I think. Not even when you start out, but probably every so often, you should probably study those again. Yeah, because I think we just get into a trap where we think it looks good, but maybe we don't really know why. Um, and so, just having that refresher all the time that oh, this looks good because these three principles apply to it and that's mm-hmm. why it looks good right? and when some when somebody like maybe you're handing your out your stuff off to a developer they're saying why did you put this here you can yeah. articulately explain <clears throat> like what what the reason is why you're doing it right yeah. it's important yeah and and if and if someone comes up where it's like hey that doesn't look good uh because you've been staring at it for a long time you forgot why yeah. it doesn't look good you know but somebody else can just walk past and go well, that doesn't look good. And you can be like, oh, yeah, it's because of this. Yeah, like what you do to me like every day, right? Uh-huh. You just walk past my desk just like every 10 minutes. Yeah, and I say it doesn't look good. Just yeah. it, It's not because it doesn't look good because I think it generally looks exactly. good. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, it's just fun to do. Mm-hmm. It's fun to mess with you. I need to voice my concerns right now. Like, that's it's not okay, man. This is not this is not a one-on-one, Andy. <laughs> it's this not. Is a podcast. We're, we're talking one-on-one right now, man. <laughs> And by the way, he's lying. I don't do that. How are you going to prove it? <laughs> <laughs> Next time we interview Nick Bluth, I'm going to ask oh, crap. him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think we learned a couple of really good kind of things. I hope people who are listening uh, learned a couple of things, too, that they could take away. Uh, if you have any feedback for us or you are listening and you, you have some feedback for us on the interview or the podcast or whatever, just let us know. We, we just set up a Twitter account, too. So Twitter handle is at design underscore much. Um, just go ahead and follow us. I think we've got one follower right now. I think it might be me or you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't sure. think it's me. I think it's you. <laughs> I think it's me. <laughs> I got to get on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, hit us up on there. Um, we'll open up the DM thing so you can send us direct messages or whatever. Um, or just, yeah, just tell us about the podcast, any feedback. And then if you have any questions too, we like this to be kind of a conversation, kind of a kind of a learning thing. If you have questions about the interview or you have questions about like based on this episode, like you want to ask Nick a question or whatever, um, go ahead and, and tweet at us and ask us the question. And then we'll we'll have a segment in the next podcast where we'll go over those questions and hopefully answer those questions or, or uh, you know, read Nick's mind or something like that. That'd be yeah. great. We could be like, oh, if, if I was Nick, I would answer this question this way. Yeah. Because we're not going to bring him on again. No, we, we don't really want to talk to him ever again. No. So, um, yeah, thanks for, uh, if you're out there listening right now in your car or at your desk in a dark room with a dark theme, yeah. or if you're in a dark room with a light theme because you're using Sketch. Or you're sitting on your couch you're your eyes. watching TV, designing yeah. an icon. If you're sitting on your couch watching uh, Game of Thrones with your headphones on listening <laughs> to this podcast while you're designing icons. Uh, you are a true multitasker. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're brilliant. (laughs) Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to us.
Thank you for listening to Design Much. It's been real fam.